On this episode of Trading Camp, we interview Mo Mamba. Mo talks about how swing trading options has brought him success in the market and provides tips and tricks to help you become a better swing trader. This episode is brought to you by Kane Capital, a trading community 8,000 strong focused on education and personal growth. Link in the notes to join for free today. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheel of dealing, Welcome back to Trading Camp, everybody. This is now episode 11. Things continue to move along for us. Noah and I are back. We got another interview, another good one for you guys. Noah, how are we doing this evening? Yeah, I'm doing great, Hondo. Really excited to talk to Mo today. I think that it's going to be a fantastic episode uh, to just get into his mindset and what's made him such a successful trader. So you heard him. We have Mo Mamba on the podcast tonight. Mo is one of our very own a head trader at Kane Capital. He's got a lot of good stuff that he's going to be able to share with you guys. Mo, I want to first off start off by congratulating you on your baby boy that you and your wife recently had. Congratulations, brother. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you guys having, on, have, having me on here. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll start off you know, by diving into your trading career and even outside of your trading career, just your story and how you got to where you are today. So if you want to just go ahead and talk a little bit about what got you into the markets, what got you into finance, and how you've become you know, the trader that is now sitting with us on this podcast. So um, about, uh, I would say, 10 years ago at 17, um, I had a friend of mine uh, that started uh, trading. He was doing ETFs of gold. I don't know if you guys remember JNUG, JDST, Nugget, Gush. So he was trading those and he started trading in first month or two. He made like 7K, uh, talked to me about it, you know, um, uh, so pumped me up about it. So I got into trading those. And of course, your first month, uh, as every personal, uh, as, as every trader I know personally, um, you start out, you know, gaining, you, you, you make money the first month or two and then you end up blowing your account. Uh, so, so that was my case. I got in JNUG, JDST and started trading those and made money the first month or two, had that dopamine rush and I was excited. And, and then slowly, slowly, I just blew that account. Uh, and then, uh, of course I wasn't, um, consistent, you know, I was busy with school, family. Uh, it was just on and off with me with trading. I'd come back in, <laughs> blow some more money, leave, then come back in a year later, blow some more money and leave. And then about two, two, three years ago, um, I uh, started becoming real serious about it. Started reading, started learning uh, about it, and um, and I mean, we're we're here now. I think it's you're absolutely right when you say that. Um, every trader, you know, at the beginning of their career, they start off with making money, right? Or else nobody would kind of want to continue trading. Nobody hops into the market like loses money instantly, and then you know, I, I at least in my opinion, so I definitely agree with you. Um, so now we'll start to talk a little bit about you know, the strategies or maybe even the mindset that you implemented to kind of turn things around. Because as you said, you weren't very consistent. You were losing money when you first started. 
Um, so, uh, you know, at what point or what adjustments did you make early on, um, you know, to start getting serious in order to become a better trader? Um, so this had, this started around 2017. It actually started with crypto, not the stock market. I actually started trading crypto at first um, due to, you know, the volatility and the price is just moving real quick up and down and you're able to get in, make good money and then get out. Um, so then I started that way. I started day trading crypto at first. Um, and then afterwards, I became a little busy with work. Um, uh, so I decided to uh, transition into swing trading, uh, which uh, I actually found out I was a lot better at swing trading than day trading. Um, and it would give me more time to do other things in life and then uh, just open my new positions and just go from there. Yeah, I've, I've noticed, you know, and Mo's our, our resident swing trader. He's, you know, primarily handling the swings for us in the discord, which we obviously really appreciate. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I've always come to realize with options is that, you know, we've talked about this on, on different podcasts is that when you're swinging options, there's so many things that you have to kind of keep an account, you know, between the Greeks, between the IV, um, you know, you can have a move like, like when you get a pullback in a stock, let's say that you add a stock, right? And the stock's at at fifty dollars, and it goes up to fifty two. If that stock rejects fifty two and pulls back to fifty, back to your entry, you're break even, right? <clears throat> but in options, nine times out of ten, in that same scenario, you're going to be down on your position, right? So you're you're almost automatically at a disadvantage when you're when you're swinging options in terms of buying them. And so a lot of people feel that that's you know such a tough strategy. Um, trading intraday, you do have a little bit less of that, um, you know, faded decay and the, the Greeks matter a little bit less, even though they still do matter. You know, how do you kind of keep those things in your mind, in the back of your mind while making a trade and not like, you know, psyching yourself out that you have, you know, 15 different things to check before you get into a trade? Okay. So considering taking uh, Greeks into consideration, I do do that. Um, so the strategy I have when I started options is that if you do a weekly, so you, so I do have my uh, charting set up. I have, you know, a plan going into this trade, right? So I figured out, um, early on that if I end up swinging a weekly, yeah, I'm going according to my strategy. But when you swing a weekly, you basically have to nail the bottom or the top, whatever it is, a call or quote, because if you don't, you know, it eats you up a little bit. And then you average down, right? But if the trade goes wrong, you're even more of a loss, right? But so my strategy was to at least have a month out, a month out. Therefore, it doesn't move as much. And once it hits my, uh, you know, the next support and I do add, um, uh, if it breaks that and my strategy fails or my charting fails or my analysis that is fails on, on the trade, I'm able to stop myself out uh, at a way smaller loss than a weekly because I look at a weekly more of... It's almost gambling in a way, despite you having your own analysis on there, uh, just because of you know uh, the Greeks involved and how fast those options move. Right, and and the fact that you know on the weekly options, obviously your theta decay is going to be so much more pronounced. It's going to be a larger percentage of your contract, like exactly like you said. Like you kind of have to a nail the bottom and your and b the the underlying stock has to move like now. You know what I'm saying? And like that's one thing that I do like about. Um, the swing mindset is sort of like, and Alejandro touches on this a lot. You guys have a lot in common. You know, you're a, more of a swing trader in terms of options. Alejandro's more um, swing trading small caps. And Alejandro's always touching on this is that, you know, I, I know this stock's going to move. I do my analysis and then, you know, I formulate my plan and know this stock's going to move, but I don't know when. And so 
taking a weekly options contract, like you kind of need it to move right now. And so that's, um, you know, that puts you at a disadvantage, particularly when you're swinging. Um, I would, I would say that that's definitely, you know, a, a strategy that all traders should look into, like swinging options. Like you got to have some time on there because it, it, you can be right and still lose. You know what I'm saying? If you're taking too close to the to the expiration, so just keep that in mind. Exactly. And then you're also allowed to uh, um, size in more. So I size in a lot more uh, uh, compared to what I used to do with a weekly, you know, maybe because I'm able to control my loss, you know, a lot better. Yeah. I think that's one of the benefits of swing trading that a lot of people don't realize. Um, you know, when you're trading those weekly options, we tend to use a very, very small portion of our account. Because there is, you know, so much risk involved, uh, particularly when I am swinging. And as Noah mentioned, I'm more focused on swinging small caps. So, you know, as the podcast goes on, we'll be able to compare and contrast the differences between swinging small caps and uh, and options. But I am able to go into these plays heavier, uh, which in turn can result in in greater returns. So as we talked about, we know as swing traders, we we learn to anticipate a move and we learn to understand support and resistance, where to scale in and where to scale out. So I want to talk about that uh, a little bit. So when scaling into a small cap, absolute no brainer, never, ever go 100 percent into a play. That, in my opinion, is basically gambling. I know with options, you know, it's the same. You have to have the same mindset. But more specifically, what are the rules that you use when scaling into a swing trade? So when scaling into, I always go in. So I have a um, so it'd be about five five percent of my portfolio, five to ten percent, depending on, on how confident I am on the on the trade. But I never throw that whole five percent initially in or that ten percent initially in. I always half size in uh, just in case that does break down. Go to the next support and then I'll size in there. Um, uh, that's how I always scale in. Uh, and usually it's, um, after my initial size, sometimes the trade goes my way and Hey, I mean, that's still profit, you know? Uh, but if it doesn't, I always have that amount on the side to just average down. And then usually it does go my, it, it does go my way. Um, uh, and it's just, uh, providing me with much more success. So really quickly, just to, to stay on the, the scaling in topic, do you ever average up? So like you said that you you add that half a position. Do you ever add that half a position? You see the position working in your favor and then you add another half, you average up on your position? Rarely do I do that. Rarely. It just depends on the ticker I'm trading, how beat down that ticker is, um, uh, how confident I was initially with that and where it's heading to my uh, take profit zone. Uh, rarely do I do that. But yeah. And a- another thing that I think is a benefit of swing, swing trading options in particular that I've realized... Um, you know, over the past couple of months is that, you know, the market and, and, and particularly I've noticed this, um, I've taken some swings on the side. I tend not to alert my swings, but the, the swings that I've taken on the side, I've realized that you, you'll have like an analysis kind of, of what you think is going to happen. And it allows you to like, in trading, you're going to have, there's three outcomes really to a trade, right? Like you can, you, you formulate your plan and you, you say, okay, I think this is going to happen. Either that's not going to happen and you're going to be wrong and you're going to get stopped out. That is going to happen. Your plan's going to, everything's going to go according to plan and you're going to, you know, scale out exactly when you think that you should and, and whatnot, or the trade's going to exceed your expectations, right? And when you're trading weekly options, it's harder to capitalize on that, 
those times that it exceeds your expectation because you want to sell because you know that it's so close to expiration. You're like, I, I, I'm holding something that could drop 50% in 10 minutes. Let, let me just take profit here. When I'm swing trading options, like I'm able to capitalize more on the trades that exceed my expectations. And in particular, I've been playing puts um, on the side in some of these technology names over the past month. And, you know, if you just take a look at the chart, they're, they're all bleeding out. And, you know, I've, I've found that I'm, I'm able to let myself keep those positions on a little bit longer because there is so much time to expiration. Um, and, and when the trade, you know, I didn't expect, you know, this type of pullback in, in tech, I particularly, I, I was short DraftKings. I was short, um, Peloton for a little while. And like, I, I was expecting a down move, but they flushed, they flushed pretty aggressively. And I was able to take advantage more of that, um, over, overreaction, um, versus, you know, trading weekly options, you know, like, like our typical style in during day trades. So Mo, I want to ask you a little bit about how you choose your strikes when you're entering a swing position. So obviously, as you mentioned on your chart, you're going to have already drawn out your support levels where you'll be adding and your resistance levels where you'll be scaling out. Let's take, um, we'll, we'll create a scenario here. Let's, let's say stock XYZ is trading at, you know, $20. Uh, $20 is your support level. And at around that $25 mark, you see heavy resistance. Um, if you're entering a position to go long at around what strike or which strike would you be picking? So that'll depend on the ticker itself because some tickers, they end up moving just a few cents, right? So for example, AT&T, um, that doesn't move much, you know, throughout, throughout the week or throughout the month. Yeah. You know? But let's say for example, um, uh, Planeteer. So, so Planeteer, you could have a $2 move in a week. Um, so depending on the ticker, that's where I'll choose my expiration. Of uh, uh, something that moves a dollar, two dollars um, in, in a week, I'd usually have a five dollar above or below, depending on the call or put, um, as my strike, uh, at least a month away. That, you know, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because it's really important for traders to understand that it takes a bit of time to understand how these stocks actually move. And that's something that's so key. And in my opinion, it can't be taught. It comes from intuition, strictly from, you know, that screen time and trading these names over and over. Um, So thank you for mentioning that. It is just so important to understand before entering the position, what is the potential move, right? You could have all the conviction in the world. Uh, You know, you could be trading a stock where, you know, you don't see resistance for uh, a mile, right? But if that stock isn't receiving, you know, the proper volume or doesn't typically like to run or break out, um, you're not going to see that move. So you have to go into each and every trade with certain expectations that you set for yourself because then you tend to get greedy. Like you said, you know, one stock can only move a few cents while another stock can move, um, you know, several dollars within the day. So if you're expecting several dollars from a stock that only you know, trades in like a 50 cent range, you're going to be caught holding the bag every single time because you're not going to be taking those profits. Right. And that's also another thing that we we take that we talk about um, pretty often. Mo, talk to me a little bit about scaling out. I've, I've found that a lot of people pay so much like 90 percent of their attention to the entry. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense because the entry is really key. 
um, in any trade that you're taking. But I feel like not enough people put that thought into exiting their trade, right? Like, how do you, now that you're up money or now that you're down, you know, at your stop loss, how do you go about getting out of your trades? Um, how do you go about scaling out? So I think that's the thing that um, every trader um, uh, tends to fall into that trap. Uh, I still fall into that trap till today. Um, you'll be up a trade 30, 40, 50% and uh, you're not scaling out. Why? Like, why aren't you scaling out? You know, take half out. So I um, started doing that the same way I scale in half, you know, just half my size. And then I'll, if it, if it drops below, I'll get, I'll put the, uh, put in the second half, um, same way I scale out. So I'm in a position, it's going up. If it hits a certain, uh, let's say it hits my take profit one, or if I'm up 30, 40%, I usually take half of my position out. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just scale out twice, half my position. And then I, and then I finally exit out the position. But I think that's a big issue that traders struggle with is taking profit. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of times in options, it comes from the fact that we see so many people on social media, to be honest, um, you know, with these crazy gains. And it's like, that's kind of what you're expecting for you. <laughs> and, you know, obviously, you know, the, the wishful thinking and optimism is not, um, you know, it's not to be discounted, but at the same time, you can't, you can't go into a trade, um, you know, hoping for a 100, 200% gain. You, you got to think, um, you know, a 400, a 40, a 40% return, a 50% return, a 30% return, all those are good trades. And, those are times that you can scale out and kind of protect your profits. And like Mo said, you don't have to take the whole thing off. You can take off a quarter. You can take off a third, a half. Um, you know, scaling out of your trade when you're up a little bit, particularly in options, is so important because the landscape can change like that. And you don't want to be caught like the one of the worst feelings as a trader is having profit, being in the green, and then letting that trade turn red. Um, so I, I completely agree with you there. Scaling out half of your positions when you're up like a decent amount, a nice 20, 30 percent. Um, and then you can just let the rest ride. It's, it's more stress-free um, and, and you can really take advantage of those um, situations like we talked about where the trade exceeds your expectations. So completely agree with that. Yeah. And adding to that, there was a trade. Actually, I have an example. I was in uh, Disney. So I was swinging Disney, right? I got in Disney. It was playing out perfectly according to my analysis. And uh, we were up f- uh, 54%. And guess what? I never scaled out. I never got out. Uh, market closed after hours, we got some news and then it dumped, you know, next day you open down, you're down 20, 30%, you know, so it's a, super important. And that's the risk with swinging as well is you can't control the news. You can't control the FUD that comes in, you know, so it's best to scale out. Always remember that just scale out a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about your charting. Um, you know, as a charter myself, I, I like to chart, you know, my support, my resistance, um, you're one of the, you know, main, I guess stock chartists, I could say in our in our Discord, and you've really done a, a very good job um, pointing out a lot of names to our to our members. How did you kind of get into that? I know that you have a unique style of charting. Talk to us a little bit about that and um, how it helps you be successful uh, in your trading. Okay, so you know how I was saying I started out with crypto. Um, so there was a guy I came across that actually taught me about uh, harmonics. It's basically a, a five point pattern. Uh, um, that's, uh, integrated with, uh, Fibonacci retracements. Um, so he taught me a lot about that. And then I started incorporating that with my trading. Um, uh, so I would, and then also included with that, I would add support and resistance levels. And man, it's just me. It's just wonders, you know, like when I end up charting them out, how they play, uh, sometimes I'll look at it as art for me, but 
I feel like, I feel like a lot of people use charts. Don't get me wrong, like ninety percent of people, but to actually, particularly as a swing trader, I feel like it. Your relationship with the chart is a little bit different because, as a day trader, like yes, I'm looking at the chart, but I'm also like more looking at news. I'm looking at, and I'm not saying that you don't pay attention to these things, but I'm saying like you know, intraday, I'm looking at the chart, but that's you know, there's so many other things that I'm paying attention to. I feel like as a longer term swing trader, you have you really do have to be even more trustworthy of your charting and your and your levels, right? And so. Talk to me a little bit um, more, I guess, just about how, like, one one of the things, I guess, for example, that <clears throat> I struggled with when I first started swing trading options is like, if I buy at support, right, and I get a bounce off of that support, a nice bounce, and I have, let's say, the support's at twenty, I have resistance at twenty four. I'm playing to that twenty four level. Do you scale out on your way to twenty four, or are you somebody who trusts your levels to the point where I bought it at twenty? This is that's my support. I'm gonna wait until it hits my level to scale out? Or are you somebody who you bounce, you see a gain, you're taking profit? I uh, know. So uh, patience is another thing uh, in, in, in trading that's key. And I think a lot of people need to implement that is you got to be patient for your trade to play out. And that's with swings. Don't expect instant satisfaction. You know, with swings, you get in a trade, you're immediately um, at a loss, you know, because again, it's a swing trade. You're not day trading it. Um, so you do have to be patient with that. No, I do let my so far. So if I have a support, if, if I'm waiting to get in a trade, uh, sometimes I have a, s- a specific level uh, for it I want to hit, but usually it's not going to hit that. You know, just like gap fill, sometimes it doesn't gap fill. You know, it's near gap fill, but it doesn't hit it, and then it reverses on you. So I always try to implement a zone, and then I scale in a little bit, and there, and if it goes down, goes down. I scale in, I scale in till I'm in a good position, and then I just ride it out from there. We talked about that today on on live voice, and I, I've. Um started implementing that myself because I've realized that let's say that I have a resistance at 500 and the stock's at 499. I can psych myself out and say, oh, I didn't get to my level, so I'm not going to enter short. And then it'll, it'll reject 499, go down 20 points to 480. And I'm like, like my analysis was right, but because it didn't hit 500, I didn't get in short. Like that, that just seems stupid to me. So like I've definitely started to shift a little bit more towards having zones so that I'm not like beholden to, you know, one level because what are the odds that you're going to bounce perfectly off of, off of a level? You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's so unlikely. It's more likely that you're going to get a resist, a zone of resistance, a band of support. So that's definitely something that I've implemented as well. And then adding to that, uh, you know how you said you place your support level, you wait for it. It doesn't get there and it bounces, you know, um, sooner than what you predicted. Uh, also, uh, people, th- you know, uh, you got to think about there's thousands of other traders that have that support level right there, you know? So um, they're all, some of them are waiting, but some of them know better to just enter early. Yeah, that's so true. We talk about that all the time, how, especially when you're trying to get filled and sometimes you're not able to get filled. It's a lot of the times because of that reason, everybody's trying to get filled or enter a position in that same area because every single trader, we, we talk about VWAP a lot. You know, every single trader is watching that same level of support on VWAP, um, which is why, you know, the stock price can be so manipulated around that area. Um, so Noah was just talking a little bit about, uh, you know, your profit taking. I'm looking at one of your tweets currently. So you have drawn out here a bullish butterfly. I'll be honest, Mo, I don't really know what that is. I like the sound of it. But anyways, on your chart, you have two profit targets. So you have profit target one. And profit target too. 
This is something that I absolutely love. How often do traders, and I'm guilty of this myself, draw one level of support, one level of resistance? And as Noah was asking you, you know, do you kind of take profit halfway there? When do you know that you want to scale out? This is a beautiful strategy that I think a lot of people should be implementing. You can't just have that tunnel vision of only looking at that one level that you're willing to take profit at. What are the chances that you're going to be right? Um, you know, as traders, we try to gain an edge with the understanding that we're never going to be correct 100% of the time. So giving yourself, you know, a couple targets as opposed to just one where you're going to take profits is an excellent strategy, in my opinion. And I really commend you for that. Um, so with that, I uh, so with swinging options, uh, uh, specifically monthly options, uh, I do look at higher timeframes, of course, you know, you can't look at the one hour and swing a monthly. Um, so I do daily timeframes. Uh, sometimes I swing on the four hours, uh, but mostly it's daily. And I do uh, put my profit take, you know, take profit one, take profit two. And those levels would be based off major resistance level. If I'm buying calls, it's major, the next major resistance level. And then the second next major resistance level, you know, because you don't expect the stock to go straight up. It's going to slowly move up and down, up and down, but you're, your your hope or your analysis is that it's going to you know hit your profit target one you know scale out there and then continue riding it um, and if it doesn't it fails it comes back down you know how still get out with some profit I have a question how often are you watching your positions after you enter not often uh, not unless um, I mean I do set my alerts of course you know because uh, you get news you get fud and uh, it just drops the stock so you have to set an alert. Uh, just in case of jobs, because again, um, people have to understand not every trade is going to be a winner. You will have losers. I don't care how professional you are. I don't care how many years of experience you've had. You're going to have losers and they're arguing, but your goal is to have more winners than losers. Um, uh, so when it comes to that, I do have an alert set, uh, below my entry at a certain level. And if it hits that, um, I'll go check what's going on on the stock. Is it, you know, just a bound, just a dip, uh, did news come out? And I'll make the decision there and then uh, either to exit or add to it. Yeah, I like that a lot. And the reason I brought up that question is because you were mentioning, you know, how stocks go up and down, up and down. There's a lot of movement before you actually hit your targets. And we were talking about this today, um, how, you know, the one minute chart can fake out a lot of traders uh, during day trading and that the the five minute chart can op- offer the proper confirmation and can keep you from exiting a position when maybe you shouldn't be exiting a position. So I like how you mentioned you said you use the one hour chart. Uh, that's your shorter time frame, right? The the, the four hour chart, um, the four hour and, and the and the daily. Mainly, I use the daily. Okay, so the, you got the four hour as your shorter time frame, the daily as your longer time frame, and you're able to set your your targets using that. And as you mentioned, when you're swing trading, it's important to understand, you know, the the time frame. If you're swing trading and you're looking at the 15-minute chart, that's only telling you 1% of the story. One question I have for you Mo, which is like as a, as a swing trader, right? When you see that something like a, a stock that you like is has gone on sale, right? It may be down 10, 20% off the highs. You still like the name. You think that it could, you know, reverse and or see a move back to back to all-time highs, maybe uh, get a little bit of a bounce. What is your strategy for buying a stock that comes down? Like I know a lot of people 
um, call it buying the knife. You know, it comes down 20% and because you buy it just because it's red. Right. And with options, you can't really do that because I, you know, the entry is everything. Like when you're trading Facebook, Facebook comes down, you know, X, Y, Z percent. You're like, you know what? Facebook's a fantastic company. It's going to go back to the all time highs. Let me buy some commons and you can be fine. You know, it could keep going down from there. And you're like, you know what? I got it at a discount. I don't really care. Options. It's not the same thing. So how do you kind of what do you, what's your thought process behind buying a stock that comes down? You like the name, you're expecting a bounce, but you don't necessarily want to buy that knife. Again, so I'll go back and look at the reasoning as to why this came down. Is there any news? Is uh, What came out that caused this? If it's not, and it's just the charting, um, I have my level there, you know, and if I see the next major support level, uh, of course, my initial position, I'll have, you know, I'll be half in, right? So the next major support, I'll wait. I, w- I won't, I won't just straight catch a knife, you know, if it, I'll see how it reacts to that support level. And sometimes I don't even touch it once it hits that support level because I want to see how it closes the day. And then the next morning, I'll tend to add to it. Yeah, I know that that's a big thing for daily uh, chart watchers. Is like you got to you gotta wait for a level to or a, a candle to close to really know like, you know, what the pattern is behind that. And that's why I know a lot of swing traders like to take their positions like, you know, in the last hour, half hour of the day. I found that, you know, any... I don't swing often, but when I do swing, I found that that's, you know, that's my highest pro- uh, profitability is when I'm taking those swings at the end of the day. Um, you know, I, I've seen a level on the daily chart hold or something like that. And so I'll take the swing right before close. Um, those have been, you know, my, my most profitable swing trades by far. Um, so that, that, that makes sense. And it, it, it's funny because it, it's very similar to day trading. Whereas, you know, as day traders, we're always saying, you know, you see something break on the five minute. I'm waiting for that five minute confirmation candle close. It's very similar. You know, the, the the strategies are very similar, just on a, on a shorter time frame. And so, it's interesting to kind of you know pick the brain of somebody who goes a little bit longer term and see that you're thinking about very similar things um, to a day trader, just on a on a spread out time frame. Another thing uh, to, to to note is when um, so let's say I'm looking at a chart, I have a resistance level. Or have a support level and I'm saying, okay, this is my entry zone. If it hits there, I'll get in. And uh, what happens at times is it does hit there and it breaks. Let's say it's a resistance level. It breaks through that, right? I don't FOMO in. I don't FOMO in. What I do is I call um, I call it the break hook and go. So I, it broke, right? I wait for the hook, come back and confirm support. And then it tends to go. Once I get that go, I enter. So you wait for that retest. You've got the retest, and now it's it's a three. You're you're entering on step three of the process. You're not you're not adding the breakout. You're not adding the retest. You're adding that pop after the retest. So you've already got confirmation of support. You can see that there are buyers there. You enter on that second break because now that you know that there's you know the stock's showing some confirmation. Now it might be able to take its next leg higher. Exactly. I mean, just take a head and shoulders as, as an example, right? Okay, a neckline is there. Okay, it's approaching the neckline. It breaks the neckline, right? Well, okay, what what most people will short right there, right? Okay, but sometimes it it will break the neckline. It'll come back and test it. It might not confirm it as resistance if it's a well, not an inverse, just a normal head and shoulders. Uh, come back and test that neckline, confirm it as resistance, and then continue down. But that doesn't always happen. It comes back above, and guess what? You're stuck down there just because you caught the breakdown. You're trying to swing uh, the breakdown, and you're thinking uh, momentum is going to be down. Yeah. Yeah, so patience. That's something else that's really important about playing the retest is that you're able to minimize your risk. So your your risk versus reward is a lot better at that support level. You could be right and you could have bought or if we're playing puts in, in the head and shoulders example, you could have uh, bought those puts 
at the breakout. But then when it's coming back up for that retest, you're now down 20% on your position. You stop yourself out because you you bought way lower than you maybe should have, as opposed to the person who's buying at that retest and now has all that room um, you know, where, where they have a lot more room to take on that risk, which will leave you in the trade longer. And you know, you could have been right, as I said, but because you didn't enter at a at a sub- support level or in that case resistance level, um, you 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 kind of get psyched out of the trade. And that goes with any pattern, you know, ascending triangles, descending triangles, where there's anything like that. Any any breakout you get, just be patient. Uh, and trading patience is key, especially in swinging. You have to be really patient. Wait for that retest, you know, just wait for it, get in. And then you, you give yourself some space, like you said, um, stop loss, you know, you have more uh, 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 room, you know, for your stop loss rather than someone that got in at the breakout. So, you know, one of, one of the last questions that I had to you is just on, you know, trading psychology and, you know, I know that you need a different sort of mindset. You need a different sort of uh, a set of psychology tools as a swing trader. Talk to me about how you developed that that tool basket of, you know, psychological tricks to help you out um, taking long positions and holding overnight, whereas a lot of other people may get, uh, you know, nervous uh, holding the same positions. Um, I think that's the biggest factor in trading is emotions and uh, that psychological factor when coming into a trade. Like I put emphasis on patience a lot. Uh, being patient with your trade. Um, and a lot of it has to do with me coming to grounds with that is experience. I mean, you have to get out there and you have to suffer those emotions, you know, of losses, uh, um, those gains that, you know, you're happy, you're sad, you're mad. You have to go through those emotions in trading. That's the only way you, you'll tend to learn. You know, you can't sit there and just follow another trader, you know, because um, when, so when this guy was teaching me about harmonics, um, I said to myself, I mean, I, at first, I wasn't learning from him. He was posting. He was telling us about it. But I wasn't really looking into it. I wasn't reading into it. He gave some books. I wasn't reading any of the books. I was just following his trades, right? But then I said to myself, okay, what if something happens to this guy? You know, like what then? So who do I follow now, you know? But why not you take put the, put in the commitment, put in, put in the discipline, put in the effort uh, to go out there and learn, you know? Uh, therefore, you can utilize that strategy for yourself. You don't need anyone at that time. So it just takes a psychological factor is a big role when, when, uh, when trading for sure. That's so true, man. You really got to put yourself in those positions. You got to like, you, you have to have that live trading in that screen time. Um, it's, it's literally mandatory because, you know, I saw a tweet the other day. It was something along these lines. It was like, you could read, uh, every single trading book ever created. And it, you know, it'll tell you, how stocks are going to move in this direction, you know, every single chart pattern, but nothing could ever teach you or kind of predict the way that you are going to be feeling emotionally once you hit that buy button and enter a trade. Um, that all comes from experience and being able to manage your emotions is just so important. It's, it's It has to be number one, honestly. I, I know a lot of people say that trading is like 90% mental, um, and I, I really do think that that's, that's true. So let me say this. I actually put emphasis on the Discord in our Discord and trading, uh, especially in the beginning when we first started this, is you know we have Stock Sniper, we have Mander, um, you guys are trading, throwing in trades. Uh, um, I would throw out to the uh, members, when you see a trade, when you see a trader post a trade, it's super important to look at the chart, see why they're entering the trade, you know? Uh, that's how you learn. That's the only way you'll learn. Sometimes you'll catch it. And sometimes I've caught traders when they enter a trade, I'll go look at the chart, right? 
And I can see that trade is about to go the opposite way, you know, but that's just from experience. Um, and it's super important. Um, those members in the discord do that, you know, look at the trade before you take it, just go look, see what's going on, see why he took it and go from there. Yeah. That's a great point. I think that, you know, you can't be blindly following anybody and expect success in this market. You really got to take, um, you know, take responsibility into your own hands, take accountability for your own money. I mean, it's your hard earned money that you worked hard for. You should, you should, you know, want to protect it in the market. So I, I completely agree with that. Um, I wanted to touch on really quick. Um, you're, I know that you're testing out an unusual wealth strategy. I understand that um, you're using it a little bit more in your trading. Talk to me a, about unusual whales in general, the platform, and um, you know how you may potentially be using it to help your trades in the future. Okay, so this is my first time using um, uh, flows. I know there's multiple ones out there like Cheddar Flow and whatnot. Um, so it's my first time ever uh, coming across this and actually implementing it in my trading, specifically day trading. Um, that is, so I, so I did my research, um, and I, I set my flow to a specific setting. And, uh, from there I'm watching the flow of puts and calls coming in. And, uh, uh, hopefully I'll have a video out there on King Capital's YouTube channel, exactly those settings and exactly how I'm taking those trades. Um, and so far it's been successful. I think I've only had two losses. Um, and, uh, some of those losses will be just a rookie mistake. It's not because of the flow itself. The flow is there. The trade is there. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, a either FOMO, you know, simply a rookie mistake by me. Um, but hopefully I'll be getting that out uh, soon, possibly next week. Uh, and I'll be looking to alert those live in the discord. Yeah. I've, I've started using unusual whales as well. Um, you know, in the past month or so, two months, and I, from what I from what I've realized is that you know you you can have the charts and you can have you know a good understanding of you know where you want to enter a trade or a good plan or whatnot. I found that unusual whales helps me more with conviction um, as opposed to necessarily entering or exiting specific trades. I found that I you know my entries and exits um, are pretty much you know, the same as, but, you know, before I started using unusual whales, but I found that it allows me that conviction to maybe hold through a drawdown or hold longer after the stock has gone up. Um, seeing that call flow actively come in, you know, minute by minute, it, it kind of gives me that, um, that sense of security. And I think that that's, you know, where it's added the most value for me is just in the conviction of my trades. And super important uh, to note that when taking these trades, I don't just blindly see, you know, a whole bunch of put flow come in and I take the trade. I definitely go back and look at my chart and I do my own analysis um, on the on the chart or on that ticker that is. And then I take my trade. Yeah, the flow is definitely used just to increase your conviction. Uh, this is definitely a really exciting stage for all of us um, now that we've become partners with Unusual Whales. Uh, we're definitely using it to our advantage and we feel as though the more... Uh, you know, the more we're able to learn about the platform, the better our trading is going to become. So again, shout out to them. I'm really excited to have been partnered with them. And moving forward, we know that they're going to benefit not only us, but our entire trading community. Um, so Mo, thank you, man. I, I just want to thank you for hopping on the podcast with us. I know that you're extremely busy uh, with the new baby boy. Um, but this was awesome, man. Um, it was interesting just to kind of dive into your mind a little bit, understand where you came from and, you know, why you are the trader you are today. And in speaking with you, it's obvious that, you know, you, you got your head on straight when it comes to trading and that 
um, you, you're only going to become a stronger trader. And we're excited that we get to trade alongside you every day in the Discord, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you guys for having me, man. It was fun. Absolutely, man. It was our pleasure. All right, Noah. Thank you, brother. Thank you for hopping on again. Another good episode. I'll see you next week. Yeah, bro. Looking forward to another solid episode. Let's get after it next week. Take care, everybody. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It is very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find in our podcast and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise.